This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by the smell of leather. Hot car on a hot day? Smell leather. Cold heart on a cool evening? Jason, I'm kicking you off the show. Smell leather. Jason, you're fired. If you want 15% off your first leather smell... Go to www.http.leathersmell.net. You also look like you're having a heart attack. To learn about leather and its assorted smells. <laughs> I, <will laughs> I could do We're so not much. cutting any of this. I could do we're rolling straight into the I show. I could do so much better than that. No, you can't. I was gonna Clearly, ta- you can't. I was going to... Okay, what I was going to do was segue into how leather can smell like cayenne pepper and past regrets and like ammonia and stuff, but well, then I just too totally bad. Too bad that it actually that. can't, Jason. Uh, that was super cringy. Congratulations. Okay. okay. Whoa. Hey, <laughs> high five. Brother moment. Even though you suck at doing... Hold on. So hold on. Don't, that's not... What uh, are you doing, man? I'm trying to find the document where we say what we say. No, we don't need that. Welcome aboard. What are you doing? What? Like... <laughs> okay, you really are fired now. Crawl out this window. You doofus. This is so upsetting already. <laughs> this is what happens when we record a late episode. One. Two. Two. Ready? Go. I'll make tea partway through this to just chill me out, like something herbal. Yeah, you clearly need to be chilled, chilled out. Chilled. I didn't know I had that much in me. Ready? You. Go. This podcast always brings out the worst in me. Yeah, I can see that. Welcome aboard the Good Ship Brothership, the only podcast, arts podcast, that covers music, gaming, literature, movies, and soft serve ice cream. <laughs> I'm one of your balls of ice cream, Jason. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Grant. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, this is a late episode, and... Uh, this is also Jason's breaking point, too, apparently. Uh, I, you know what? I'm not even going to ask you what we're talking about. I'm going to tell the people what we're talking about. I know what we're talking about, You're not going to be able to make it through it. But I know. We're talking about the 1985... Oh, boy. We are talking about the 1985 film Ran from Akira Kurosawa, acclaimed director of the uh, massive classic um, Seven Samurai. And we are also talking about the independent video game, Actual Sunlight. So it's going to be a very interesting show, I think, this yeah. time. Um, uh, Actual Sunlight is uh, one of the more, I think, uh, notorious, probably, indie games, just for its Maybe. It's subject. not super well-known. It's quite well-known. Greg Champion for its, uh For its uh, themes that it tackles, and Ran is also a pretty pretty large undertaking as far as just like watching a film you know yeah um so 
Should we just dive right into it? Flip the puppet and see yeah, what, the what we're doing first? I had the puppet a second ago. Didn't I? Oh, he hasn't. Yeah, that guy's sitting right across Can that I flip the puppet? creaky card table. I don't know, man. Can you? Actually, I was talking to our good friend, uh, Connor Gatton, host of Dungeon Buddies. Uh, and uh, Another small podcast. Another small podcast. And uh, itsy bitsy. They were. I realized the difference between us when Caleb, his brother, who's also on the podcast, um, was talking about how they have to go home and record in like uncomfortable chairs because the comfortable chairs squeak too much. And then I was like, <laughs> "Dude, we do. Oh, you're like knocking the mic here. Like there it's are other ways spike to. It, that much. it will have spiked it, watch, dude. Watch, Trust watch, me. Watch, watch, watch. Oh wow, look <laughs> at that, you idiot! It looks like I I'm. I'm probably. There's a good chance I'll have to cut that out. That's not. If the I only... just cut that out, it's because Jason's an idiot and just like that's not the only thing getting it. spiked tonight. Okay, I really what is gotta, wrong I, with you? I don't know. I really got to bring it back in. Yeah, we make absolutely no attempts to polish any of Seriously, this Seriously, though, halfway through the podcast, can we stop and make Unless tea? Jason smashing into the mic gives Ben tinnitus on his drive home from work. Okay, you need, like, a plastic bag or something Flip to breathe Flip it. <laughs> Face down will be actual sunlight. Unironically, I'm going to look back at this Face and, up will like, be real. Oh, no, no. I want to read the user reviews. While no, you can't read game. reviews. They'll sully your own. No, they won't. My they opinions will. are written down. Uh, space super... up is ran. Yeah, that's what I just said. In case you were listening, for those listeners who are listening at home, they heard me just say that right now. Unless it's like, unless it's like Jonathan and he's like washing dishes or wiping his butt. Okay, there we go. Actual sunlight. What a great, what a great thing You're to review. Off with my energy. Well, Jason's like this. But it might, I don't, well, okay. I'll bring it back in. <laughs> okay. Do, do, do you have, oh, you have Metacritic open. Dude, okay. you were literally just, what is wrong Wait, with you? Wait, we shouldn't mention Metacritic because they're not giving us money. Is your brain short We're on the right king now? of Kuwait's, king of Kuwait's? Is it king? Sultan? Prime Minister? <laughs> we're on Captain Kuwait's private webpage, which just reviews oh. games. Okay, we're way too off track. We yes, you were the one who was talking about Kuwait a second ago. Oh my okay. word! So actual sunlight is a like roughly is... movie length um interactive story about a lonely man who's struggling with um working for this. Why don't you just read this summary here because I think I can do it well. Okay, he's working for this corporation that leaves him feeling very hollow, no fulfillment. He's struggling with depression and suicidal tendencies and addictions um, and just trying to find his place in the world and trying to find the resolve to go on living, frankly. It's a very bleak game um, made by Will O'Neill. It's My understanding is it's somewhat autobiographical, um, set in Toronto, as Will O'Neill lives in Toronto, so that's kind of cool. Um, the game itself lacks any gameplay other than your interaction with the world around you. So what I mean by that, for people who don't play games, is that there is no like winning or losing or anything skill-based at all that you have to do. All you do is walk around and press a button to interact with objects. Um, but segueing into the review, I think that my initial thought was, why does this need to be a game kind of thing? Um, I kind of thought that this could just be you know a short story or something like that. And it could be, because most of it's reading... And most of the art, it's a very old school, it looks like a 90s, like a Super Nintendo game. 
I, I wrote down it looks like one of the like a Pokemon game. Yeah, or a, a Game Boy Advance game yeah. or something. And so the art mostly doesn't serve to further the story. There are um, better drawn portraits of people and certain um, scenes that are that have almost cut scenes like stills. And I think those are much more emotional images. But for the most part, the graphics are adequate, but I don't really think do a lot for the story. I think they're just kind of there. But the reason I think it needs to be a game is because it puts you in the shoes of the protagonist, whose name is Evan Winter, and makes you kind of live his life and feel his pain a little bit, just a little bit. Um, And at the same time, we'll cut this out if it's too spoilery, but I don't think it will be. You don't have... I doubt it. You don't have choices over your actions. You don't have choices over outcomes. Right, over outcomes. And in my opinion, that sort of serves as a character of the disease he faces, of his mental illness, and the fact that, in a sense, he, as an individual, struggles to really have control at all. And so I don't know if... uh, Will O'Neill meant for that to be the case, but my interpretation was that you're like well, he, mu- con- he must have because at one point in the game, there's a section where you cannot make any other choice other than the one that he wants you to. You can try, but it always comes back around. Yeah, and so I think that that was definitely intentional. So that's what I I thought it served to show how little control he was in of his life, kind of thing. Um, I say kind of thing too much today. I thought the game, the story, it's about an hour and a half of mostly reading, a little bit of just exploring different environments. Um, I found it, like, in equal measures, tragic and frightening, but also inspiring and, like, hilarious. His writing is spot on. It's not good for a video game. It's just straight up good. It would be great anywhere. Um, And there are these super funny moments that don't seem out of place to me. Mm-hmm. because it's just a superhuman story. Not a superhuman story, a very human story. Mm-hmm. And I think, as in life, the game has moments that are hilarious and are sad and are stressful. And obviously it's a very bleak depiction of life, but at the same time it still has all of those aspects that you would expect. Um, he interacts with many characters primarily in his office environment which is one of the chapters of the game is him at work and the characters are all sort of stereotypes so like the brat kid who doesn't really do anything but gets promoted a lot sort of thing or someone who breaks their back but their genius isn't recognized because they're kind of a sheep so in that way they're all stereotypes but very convincing and relatable ones and they aren't um portrayed in a way that makes them unbelievable like they're not so far panned to being i don't know obsessed with sports or whatever that they don't seem like a real person Mm -hmm. um and i think evan's story it's very difficult to describe not even without spoilers just overall his story is terrifying like a terrifying cautionary tale because it seems like his life could almost happen to you by which I mean you as the viewer, not me or you or somebody else. Yeah. Just could happen to one. Um, and maybe not to the extremity, but just the gist of his life is that he's trapped in a cycle where um, the only things that bring that bring him any pleasure are fleeting and damaging and uh, becoming less potent kind of thing. And aren't... There we go again. 
and aren't really even like a healthy sort of satisfaction he works a job but he hates his job even though it's not a horrible job it just it has been killing him and yeah it seems like something that definitely can happen to one if they're not careful but i also appreciate that will o'neill breaks the fourth wall at least once i um, found i found one instance yeah where he writes a letter directly to the player the developer writes a letter directly to the viewer about how this is not what will happen to you who are playing the game um and how unless you're i forget what he says unless you're deep in your 30s or something it's entirely escapable and avoidable avoidable and uh yeah i was very touched by it and also uplifted by it because i know that this does not have to be me but at the same time your heart sort of breaks for the people who are like this who don't really have anything quote-unquote wrong with them you, they have a job and a place to stay and stuff like that but at the same time are just kind of killing themselves for things that don't really mean anything so basically the opposite of this podcast um and yeah the game really emotionally affected me and uh hello foot the game really emotionally affected me and left me impacted and really looking at people around me differently so like even the people i work with thinking like are they just kind of slowly killing themselves mentally, as it were, um, through this meaningless job, or do they find meaning in it? And yeah, I found the game very touching, and in a way, like I said, heartwarming to myself, because I'm not like that. Even though at times it feels like you have to do things you don't want to, at the end of the day... I don't know why my voice is going like that. At the end of the day... (laughs) I don't know. Like taking too many smoke breaks. I guess. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I still come home and I get to do something like this or hang out with friends who are dear to me or whatever. Like he has a dead social life. So yeah, that was my take on it. It was an excellent touching experience that I think anyone who can play should play. I mean, it's on PC and it will run on anything. Yeah. Yeah. It was very affecting. Only real critique... The art didn't take away, but I feel like it only added when they had those, like, hand-drawn things. And I feel like the art could have been a bit more affecting most of the time. Like, I don't know if you've seen what that Dragon Cancer looks like. Yeah. But, like, that game has a really emotional art style. So I think it would have benefited from that. Yeah. But otherwise, it was, like... That Dragon Cancer is also more whimsical, though, in, like, in terms of, like, the art style. Yeah, for sure. And, like, just the... Because is this through a kid's perspective? Uh, yeah. Because that's... We should review that game sometime, too. It wouldn't work. That would be a game that would make me cry. (laughs) Okay. Go (laughs) ahead. I'll jump in. Yeah. Anyone should play it. It's... I told you to jump in, but I'm not quite finished. Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, (laughs) I really appreciate that. And I also just want to put in there, I expected the game would be very depressing, and it is to an extent, but I also found, like I said, a hope in it, and I don't think it's... Like, I put off playing it for a long time because I thought it would just be crushing. It's not. So, I don't know. I'd say don't be afraid of that. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I have down here actual sunlight. It's it's a top top down. Mm-hmm. Uh, 32-bit, probably. Yeah. It, well, 16-bit, yeah. I would say. Pixel art, kind of. Yeah. Uh, and like you were saying, I've found the art functional, but, but yeah. it never... 
um, added anything. And most of the the game's uh, impact is delivered through white text on black background yeah. with um, that classic kind of bit crush sound uh, for voices that go through um, maybe like say an old Final Fantasy game or something where it's like yeah. except it's all like this sub-octave drop down like droning crushing sort of sound which I think is supposed to provide some sort of a, a weird rhythm and like texture yeah um and like a kind of uh creepy presence to uh the whole game the game is like very like depressing obviously because it's about depression and like loneliness really and the futility of trying to break a cycle on your own survival in a lot of ways the futility of like life and just kind of making it you know, yeah. kind of getting by and that sort of thing. And those are all things that I relate to, I think, as, like, somebody who's, like, 22, you know, working part-time and then juggling, like, various artistic uh, projects and that sort of thing while, you know, you see... And I'm I'm not, like, for one minute, like, comparing myself to the guy in the game who's, like, in his 30s and, like, hates every part of his life and has no friends. But as you see, like you know, your friends going on to university and college and all that sort of thing. And a lot of them rush off into it and then do something that they end up hating, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, that's enough about me. Though. Or, for example, like... I need to blow my nose. Oh, hello. <laughs> okay. Bye. Yeah. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, for example, I think the situation could apply to anybody also because... There's a friend of ours who recently went through school, came out, no idea what they want to do. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't seem to help. Through four sometimes. years of school, too. Yeah, yeah. And but, so, but you get the feeling in any stage of life, everybody yeah. feels like everybody else is ahead of them. Yeah. And they've all, why does everybody else have a game plan and I'm still back here? Why are my friends getting married? Why are they having kids? Why are they all finishing school and being prestigious and smart and gifted and talented and I'm still back here? I think everybody yeah. feels that all the time in life and we just have to realize that we're all taking different paths through life and and things that we think society things that society tell tells us means so much like your your house or your you know how attractive your wife or your husband is or how you know attractive your kids are how gifted your kids are and what their interests all this stuff that society tells us means so much at the end of the day you know, yeah, means absolutely nothing. You know, yeah. And we, what I we come into this world with the same same things that we leave. And what I see in the protagonist, I think I see in a lot of people also, which is someone who earlier in life placed importance in all the wrong places on all the wrong things, and then later when those things crumbled, yeah. kind of thing. Well, they just fall away. Yeah, it's part of life has no real base of support and places no importance on anything kind of thing and yeah. fails to understand basic joys so anyway i all this to say i yeah. i did identify with a lot of the stuff oh, on a smaller here, scale and i think sure. that i think anybody uh-huh. would and you feel like a bit of like that chest gripping panic that you were talking about you see just earlier. enough of yourself and him to scare yeah, you. just going like is this is this me is this is this um, possible future me the the writing to that end to you know making that reaction in the in the 
player is is it's good it's very good i don't think it's as good as you seem to think it is i thought that like a couple times it resorted to like a couple yeah juvenile and like overly uh blunt like means a response from the yeah yeah, that's fair actually it was it was functional much like the artwork but it wasn't like as beautiful or as delicate as it often or it couldn't have like circled around the uh the uh, the 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 center of what it was trying to say and like kind of circum circumnavigated it a little bit more and just kind of made it a richer reading experience yeah um probably because it's also a video game it's not just a novel or it's not just a short story so it you know it never really detracted but a couple times i was like and eh, that sounds like kind of something angsty that i would have written when i was like 16 yeah uh but <laughs> that does make it pretty relatable too uh, it's, and again, I'm going to chime with you again, really nice anime style drawings in the kind of quote unquote cutscenes. Yeah. Which were pretty much just the, one or two like, stills. There's only maybe three or four throughout the entire mm-hmm. hour long game. And I could have done with like easily triple that. Yeah. Um, I think that if it was more like a comic book, it would draw you in every time that they they show you like a picture of the protagonist in that drawing style or somebody else he's interacting with it drew me into the story yeah it drew me in deeper and i connected with the characters and was more immersed in the world and there just weren't as many of those as would be optimal uh the game still works maybe it's not not a bad thing that we weren't more drawn into it uh but, you know, there it is. I fi- felt like, you know, in order to sympathize and identify with these characters more, I needed more. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think that the being corralled into the ending, which we won't spoil, but the, uh, the uh, we'll say a dramatic ending or whatever, I've, I would have liked for there to be a few different endings just to give the player some assurance that yes at any stage in life no matter where you are you can turn things around you can you can change the situation in your life maybe not you know you maybe you can't change your job maybe you can't change your vocation but you can change you you know and maybe you know he doesn't have the same maybe uh uh what's the guy's name miller Adam Winter, no, the oh, guy who made Will the O'Neill. game. Yeah, Will O'Neill Miller. But I, I maybe well, maybe Mister O'Neill doesn't have the same like belief system that we do. But you know, I I believe that there's always hope. You know, mm-hmm. I and I would have liked to have seen that option so that somebody who somebody plays through the game and gets the first ending and and you know maybe doesn't feel great after that can go back and relive that experience and re um associate these experiences with their own life and then realize that their their fate is not decided your fate's never you know uh your your yourself you are never set in stone more than yeah you truly want to be but here's where i disagree with that is I think it's not that kind of story. I think 
it's a cautionary tale of what not to do. And I think the ending also like serves to carry that on. And I don't think, I don't think it suggests that you can't change it anytime. I just think it shows that he, some people don't choose it. Yeah. I but, think it well, just shows a you bleaker can, path. You could that you don't show, have to take. you could show that still, I suppose but you so. could still give a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and say, Hey, look, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if you're like this dude who is, you know, quite a cartoon in a couple ways, but you know, not in others. Uh, even if you're like this guy, you can you can be content in yeah. all circumstances, you know, because that's a truth that we both believe in. I uh-huh. definitely believe in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it. I also found the game, you know, motivational. Yeah, and I th- for sure. I think it's. I think it would be a good one for anybody, especially anybody who feels stuck or is having trouble motivating themselves or feels discontent. Yeah, but I also or, think it's, or, I think it'd be good for anybody because, like you said, I think everybody feels stuck in at least one aspect. Every everybody feels behind. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it was a very good experience. It's not like it, I can't we can't judge it on its gameplay because there really is yeah. none. You just walk around. But I think it attached me to the character more. It, yeah, the art wasn't great. Could have done with more cutscenes. Mm. I don't know about like voice acting. I liked the. I wouldn't want voice acting. I liked acting. having to read it all for myself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's actual sunlight to start us off on like a way heavier note than we've ever uh, gone to on this show. And now we're back. Jason, who are you messaging? No one, actually. Yes, I found it. Um, I found... There's a short film I want to uh, review... Called the House of Small Cubes, I think is what it's called. Oh, we want, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, also, uh, it's really interesting seeing these reviews. Uh, Let, five, should, yeah, five positive reviews on Metacritic from critics, and then five mixed reviews, mm-hmm. zero negative. And then for the users, we got one positive, one mixed, and two negative. And here's the this negative one kind of says it all. Absolutely disgusting depressive quote depressive text on black screen the game unquote it have no sense it's just many depression text which all people in they mind sometimes have in they which mind all sometimes. people have in they mind sometimes i'm so glad i didn't buy it game for money so i mean it's not call of duty yeah <laughs> probably Sorry, not gonna Abel frost yeah probably not gonna you think he's able from bridge of spies I was just more like the Frost thing. Last name of the game's protagonist is Frost. Found that interesting. Evan. Oh, wait. Evan Winter. Winter, Winter Frost. That's Frost interesting. Winter. I hadn't thought about that. Evan Winter. Huh. Uh, and then this person says, not really a game. More like pressing X while reading white text on a black background. He's never heard of visual novels, apparently. There's no real gameplay. Play, no choice is 100% linear and one hour long. Again, sort of like, I don't know, like... A story should have been a dollar an hour, man. All of that would be relatively fine as a short story project if it was free. What? what? Why can't you pay for a short story, oh. you absolute lunatic? I would like to you point know out that this we're guy's even, name is uh, Dayxcom, so I would assume he enjoys even, Deus Ex and uh, don't, Xcom. Don't even give him publicity. That okay. guy's an idiot. Uh, this person says quotation forthcoming, and then that's just their whole review. Yeah. Anyway, uh. So I I found that like kind of like a little split interesting, even yeah. though it's like a really 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 small uh, subsection of 
uh, people. But it's de- it's definitely um, of players rather. It's definitely a uh, <laughs> interesting experience. Uh-huh. Not one that you'll forget, you know, sooner ever. And I think it'll definitely be something that comes back to haunt me in like a positive way throughout. Wow. I've just been killed. That's a big level spike. Oh, I'm so sorry. Cut that out. <gasps> Try and get just the wind up and then cut it out. So it's like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I totally peaked it there. Like, I was trying yeah. to hold it in, too. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Ran, the film by uh, Akira Kurosawa. The title Ran. Ran. Can I run and use the bathroom while you give a synopsis? Yeah, you can Ran and use the bathroom. <laughs> It's funny because it's the name of the movie we're reviewing. It means chaos in Japanese. Okay, bye. Yeah, so the uh, ti- the title Ran uh, is the uh, Japanese word for chaos. All of Akira Kurosawa's films are in Japanese and subtitled, I think. Uh, <laughs> full disclosure, this is the only one I've seen. Um, but he was a very, very influential director in terms of his samurai movies, um, Seven Samurai, and then Yojimbo and the follow-up, I can't remember the name of right now, they influenced people like Sergio Leone to make his very, very iconic and famous spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood, uh, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Uh, So these are, he's one of the most prolific and influential filmmakers of all time, uh, especially in his his, uh, work with editing and making scenes flow together and mesh together set the groundwork and wrote the rule book for directors uh, in the 50s and 60s with just like how to make a film make sense, how to make a moving image be beautiful and at the same time tell a story on top of the, uh, the lines of the actors. So he is a really revolutionizing... Revolutionizing? Rev- Rev, what's the word? Revolutionary. Re- revolutionary filmmaker uh, whose work really does hold up, um, I think, you know, to this day, really beautifully, especially in terms of like his editing and uh, his cuts and that sort of thing. So, Ran, Japanese for Chaos, is a 1985 period tragedy directed, edited, and co written by Akira Kurosawa as an adaptation of Shakespeare's tragedy King Lear, of which, which neither, neither of us are familiar read. with. It is a Japanese French venture produced by Harold Ace, Nippin Harold Films. <laughs> Nippin Harold, that's what I they say, call it. I don't think it's Nippin. I think it's probably okay. Nippon or something French. <laughs> and, and Greenwich Film Productions. The film stars Tatsuya Nakadai. Well, that was good. As Hidetora Ichimonji, an aging Sengoku-era warlord who decides to abdicate as ruler in favor of his three sons. So basically, the king, is at the, he's an old man, he's got three grown sons, and then decides to quit being king, and then divide his land, kind of, between the three sons. He leaves his eldest son in power, and then the other two to be lesser, but still at power underneath him. Uh, the film is an adaptation of Shakespeare. It just said that. And includes segments based on the legends of... I don't even know what that means. Ran was Kurosawa's last epic, which was an interesting place for me to start watching his work. Yeah, okay. And has often been cited among his finest achievements with a budget of $11 million. Wow. 
It was the most expensive Japanese film ever produced up till that time. Ran was previewed on May 31st, 1985 at the Tokyo International Film Festival before its release on June 1st in Japan. The film was hailed for its powerful images and use of color. Costume designer Emmy Wada won an Academy Award for costume design on, for her work on Ran. The distinctive Gustav Mayer-inspired uh, film score was composed by Toru Takimitsu. Good on you, Toru. Toru. Uh, so, we've got like a whole summary of the plot and all five acts, uh, which we could use maybe as like reference. The film's no, quite quite long. And About two and a half hours. Quite a quite a number of twists and turns in it, I'd say. Immediately after finishing it, I looked up an entire summary and just read the whole summary, though, so and it's kind of cemented in my I mind. I watched the film twice. I wish you could have or would have done the same. Yeah. Because it really came alive, and I got a lot more nuance out of it on that second viewing. I find it interesting it barely broke even at the box office. Do I go first now? Yeah. Okay. So my my question that I wrote at the top of my page before watching Ran was, does it hold up? And that was kind of like my, my principal modus operandi moving forward in watching the film and like kind of critiquing it. Uh, was does it hold up does it still look stunning you know now however many years later after it, you know being 32 put years out in, kind of thing. in 85 um and akira kurosawa of course being renowned for his use of the moving image and just like his work as a director and having influenced pretty much everybody at this point honestly because he's pretty much taught as like curriculum like a how to make a movie in schools now uh and ran looked very interesting to me just because of the wildness of the visuals and the really bright colors especially because his most famous films are in black and white Mm -hmm. and were made in the uh, 50s and 60s we should state and you alluded to this earlier this is the first kurosawa film either of us have ever seen yeah i we like said that before. we don't need to say it again Chris Kurosawa film. I don't like as soon as I blow my nose once, it just like opens up the floodgates. Uh, so you know, <laughs> right off, right off the bat, I'm sitting down on the couch by myself. It's nighttime. It's late, and I'm sitting there with my headphones on, cranked, watching this thing. And the opening shots are of a boar hunt uh, in like the hills or whatever, and they're chasing the boars around. And there is that moment that you noticed immediately on your first viewing Ugh. with me as well where they're hunting three boars and um you see them kind of i think i think they run towards the camera and then there's a cut and then they run from right to left and they akira god bless his soul rest in peace has cut together the like flights of the three boars to make it appear as though they're very close behind one another but because of his you know editing the grass being blown in the wind chops in this really, really jarring and unnatural way. Can you not like, get three boar? <laughs> three times. And I understand that he was probably trying to set a rhythm with the running of the boars going past the camera, like, dun, 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 that sort of thing. But immediately, that's not something you want to see no. when you're watching an old movie and thinking, like, is this going to hold up? 
and then you see that right off the it bat. Reminds you me go, of a YouTuber supercut. You're going like, oh, I guess it's not going to hold up like whatsoever. Uh, why did I purchase this with my own money? <laughs> what what's happening? Um, but from there on, there was like no other moment like that. I don't think. I thought the film was like very arresting visually and like held a lot of really grandiose and epic uh, sequences and frames and shots and just very pleasing every frame is is like just a it is really rich and just good to look at in terms of the balance of things the color what the colors are saying uh, each of the sons of the warlord is a different color which is a device and so are his men so the eldest is yellow and then all of his men have yellow pennants and armor and horses <laughs> they're the horses like little horse cloths and little horse hats are all yellow then the second son is red and the third is blue and that kind of like primary color invention i think worked like so well and not for a moment did it seem like red power ranger yellow power ranger blue power ranger kind of thing mm-hmm. it it just really worked as a, as an extension of each son's character and to serve as just straight up never being confusing in a giant battle scene yeah you can see where everybody's armies are at once and i was like this it's a cinematic contrivance 100 percent, but it's a cinematic contrivance that is never a stumbling block to the viewer and uh is only ever helpful in remembering who you're looking at especially in a film where there are so many different characters double crossing each other then forming alliances running away you know, there's a lot going on, and those colors are like just a an excellent gravitational pull yeah. to just remind you of what's going on at the screen at any given moment. Uh, the old king's uh, makeup, I I really really tracked with. It's very like stylized and kind of overdone. And the actor really was not very old when he played the old king. Like he may have been forty. Yeah. And the character is 70 or whatever. Yeah, 78, I think. And uh, and I, I actually really liked it. it. That was another thing that I was kind of concerned with going into the film was, are these like prosthetics going to look good? Because from the few like short little scenes that I had uh, watched on YouTube and whatever, just out of curiosity, the makeup is like totally unrealistic. But it will it further that stylized kind of imagery that the film has that like verging on anime style imagery, and that also goes uh, in the battle scenes when there's just like bright red paint, <laughs> pretty much not blood. It looks yeah. absolutely nothing like blood, brighter red than ketchup, you know, kind of sprayed everywhere and splashed everywhere. And I thought it kind of added to that like silkscreen painting look that Akira really established. And it kept it from being as dated as it would have been had he strove for absolute five-star realism at the time. And I think that the art direction, art direction always holds up better than the technology that's used to create it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like that. There, you know, there's a lot of rich symbolism in the shots, for instance, when... The king's being kicked out of, I think, the first son's castle. He goes to visit his son and then gets kicked out promptly. And he kind of wanders through the gates in a daze. And his men are holding, like, 
his standard, his symbol, which is a, a shining sun, a golden sun on a pole. And the one man's holding it. They're, his men are waiting for him outside the gates, and he goes out to join them. And as the gates close, these big heavy black gates close on the the standard, the sun, and like form just a really nice image of what's happening kind of thing. There's a lot of that going on, and it's never like ridiculous to decipher. It's always in plain sight. It's always beautiful, and it's always aesthetically pleasing. I found he uses clouds, shots of clouds to set scenes and that lay, down, I liked. lay down like kind of the atmosphere. And so he'll have a shot of a beautiful, I'm looking out the window right now, there are no clouds, but the moon is up and it's 8.15. Uh, so he'll have, you know, a beautiful puffy white cloud and a blue sky and it sets a calm scene at the beginning of the film. And then the clouds are kind of roiling and boiling and turning in on themselves. And then it, turns to these ragged gray clouds and he shows the film's like progression through that in a really really ground level way that works really well for me i think uh i don't think it's a masterpiece at all Uh, the it's very old-fashioned in its pacing the pacing's very long i think that that's a, an artifact of it being for the Japanese audience who are very used to and very comfortable with the idea of a long, slow story, but it's not something that we or I as a North American... Can I jump in for a second? Yeah. I agree, but then... So yesterday we rewatched another movie we reviewed, Apocalypse Now, and we watched a shorter cut of it that time. But the uh, redux we watched for the review was over three hours we long. We didn't review it. We didn't review Apocalypse no, Now. dude, we just watched that for fun. We should review Apocalypse Now. Yeah, we will someday. Okay, so we watched Apocalypse Now. Over three hours long, I would also say very slow pacing. And mm, No. No? No. Like That's got a slowish start. I don't think it's slow paced at all. I guess. I just want to say that that seemed far more fitting to the subject than like a samurai film that's mostly slow and then a few quick scenes. Yikes. Dad just got home from the gym a while ago, and true to form, is just flailing around upstairs over our heads. Just he's like an octo dad, knocking things onto the floor and chasing things around. I don't know what he's doing. Okay, he's probably getting grouchy up there. Uh, I disagree with you. Like, I mean, it's a slower, longer film. Being a Francis Ford yeah. Coppola film, they all are. But you've got like explosions going off all over the place. I guess you got motion, excitement, gunfire all the time. They're in and out of battles and war zones. Like, it's not... It's It might be slower paced, but it's still a war movie. In a movie similar way to how Seven Samurai has, like, war scenes. In You've her... never seen Sam, Sam, Seven Shoot, Samurai. Shoot, We're Ran. talking about Ran. Uh, Ran only has, like, three or maybe I four guess. battles over the case of, like, two and a half hours. It's I'm going to look up the runtime, by the way. Um, oh. It's probably right here on the Wikipedia page, oh, Jason, good, that we have idea. open just for... Haha. <laughs> Uh, it's probably in this info panel that's what on the I was right. thinking too but running time 162 minutes so, so that's, that's like 2 hours 42 yeah so it's not super long but it's, definitely well long. it's long um, and it is you know it's that old fashioned I think it's a relic of, of, of being for a Japanese market and also being an adaptation of Shakespeare yeah for sure because I mean a Shakespeare play is a no short play um I mean, plays themselves are normally longer than a film, but you've got an intermission in, like, every play. There's no intermission when you're sitting watching the Blu-ray. 
So I, I think that that's only where it kind of departs uh, in terms of being in terms of being a barrier to people the pacing will be a big barrier to a lot of people and they will find it boring and dry uh, the uh, what, what have I written here ah great performance great central performance I don't know who I'm talking about when I say that I think I'm talking about the king I'm pretty sure I'm talking about does he have a great performance the old yeah I think so. I really think so. Uh, the uh, old king who is Hidetora, I believe. Yeah, Hidetora, the the man who uh, perf- who performed as Hidetora, who's Tatsuya Nakadai. Great performance. I really, really liked this performance as as the king. I really didn't find it to be um, like cheesy or overripe the way a lot of the other actors in the film were and that's just a japanese thing that's just how they act i i've watched you know quite a bit of japanese quite a few japanese movies i think yeah um and especially you know back then and you look at like spaghetti westerns <laughs> you got clint eastwood's nice like stone cold understated performance and then you got you know everybody else who's like oh running and screaming and stuff you're very you're like acting like you're not paying a ton of attention to right. i'm sure it's not the case but anyway uh, I really liked his performance, and it reminded me of some modern actor who I can no longer remember, but just a lot of, like, like intense scowling, like, with his face, and just, like, laser beam stares at, you know, in and, and, and anger at, like, what's going on around him. And, and frankly, you know, it, it's probably... I don't think we can really hugely spoil this. It's King Lear, yeah. Yeah, because it is Shakespeare. But as he descends into madness... I thought it was very, very well played and not, you know, he never got corny or cheesy when he was, would suddenly get sad or suddenly not remember anybody. I thought it was quite nicely played, really. I was surprised and impressed by that for, uh, for just, you know, it being a factor of, of its surroundings. Uh, the scenery and the framing and all that is, you know, gorgeous, fantastic. I really liked it. Uh, you just you get rivers of color when the three brothers are battling, or when even two of them are battling. And just these gorgeous, like huge amounts of extras in armor running around doing these like choreographed, like unbelievably good looking. Peter Jackson has to be a huge fan of this movie because parts of it look so much like the Lord of the Rings. That's true. In I never terms of just that. columns and rivers of of people interacting and and the scenery the stark blackened rocky craggy landscape with these bright flashes of color peter the lord of the rings is much less colorful of course but um tons of long shots you know with no cuts in them which will definitely interfere with people if they if they don't like it i think that whole first battle though in the uh in the first castle when it gets lit on fire and then he walks out like what i'm talking about i think that scene alone is worth watching the whole movie for just that battle i think it's like unbelievably beautiful there are some times too when the battles get like a little long and like a little repetitive and like okay how many dudes do we need to see falling off their horses how many arrows do we need how many thousands of arrows do we need to see flying through the air um I, i it it is too long on the start it could have gotten to the action 
quite a bit sooner. Um, but look, this this is that's a factor of what we're dealing with. I would have liked it to have been, you know, at least half an hour shorter. Yeah, for sure. it would have had a lot more punch if they had trimmed the fat a lot more. Uh, was the jester character irritating? Yes. Is he supposed to be irritating? Yeah. Wasn't it a she? No, it's a he. It's a dude. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, so the is the actor male? Yeah. And is the character supposed to be male? I think so. I just crushed your tiny little baby. I'm going to look up the cast. I'm Dude, I, I already no, did, No, I believe you. I just want to see it. I just... I'm pretty sure the guy's bisexual at this point. I mean... Anyways. Yeah, it's not hard to spot. Um, uh, Kurgane, who... Or Kurga, Kurgane, yeah. Who is the uh, character who um, serves as the advisor to the second son. The middle son, the red son. Yeah. He is so cool. He is yes. so awesome. He is a bad That ass. I agree with, for sure. And he is just... He, he makes the whole... Because the second son is basically... Uh, dragged around by a short and curlies by uh, a girl who he, uh, you know, kind of falls in love with, sort of. And then she just controls him, and you just spend your whole time with him hating him. And then Kurogane is that voice of reason and uh, sanity who's kind of clawing him desperately back. Uh, and he's one of the only guys in in the quote-unquote bad guys who you can really get on side with and understand. Yeah. And I think that his performance added humanity to that second brother's side uh, yeah. as opposed to just seeing him as like a, a gutless villain character or like super irritating I think that's a very wise move in terms of storytelling I'm sure there's an analog in the Shakespeare version but I just don't care enough to and on on this note uh, uh, rolling back to talk about that first battle how it's worth the price of admission did they really burn down a castle because while I'm One watching was, it, it may, I'm like, this this looks so real just in the way it that it's have been a burning. Facade, but I, just, I don't but just in the way that the flames are at the top and then the smoke is like pouring up and out of the lower. It looks so real and it did not look like camera tricks or anything that superimposed it back there. I'm like, did they actually burn a castle down? And I really want to know that. If anybody out there is an expert on Kira Kurosawa... Yeah, it is. On Akira Kurosawa films, hit me up. Let me know if you actually burned down a castle. Uh, uh, so, uh, anyway, on first viewing, I was not um, at all blown away. On the second viewing, when I wasn't as confused by the interlacing plot, and you're doing a lot of reading of subtitles because it's in Japanese, of course, when I was less focused on that and more focused on the story that the image was telling me as we went along, I enjoyed it significantly more. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. See how tidily I yeah. close my reviews up? And then I'm not going to go, as soon as you start your review. Okay. So I want to preface this by saying I'm not a master filmmaker or artist or anything like that. But I'm a some like moderately experienced photographer. I like movies. All that to say that my opinions may not be as uh, 
well-formed as a filmmakers, but compared to the average person who would watch a movie, I just have more baggage kind of thing. And I'll talk a little bit technically about why I do think the movie is as important as everyone says, but also overrated. Um, so I think in terms of shooting, which is obviously, I would say, the elephant in the room, and I'll talk about other aspects as well, I think the way I would describe it is there are about eight to 12 kind of thing shots that would make awesome posters, awesome paintings. They're gorgeous, like phenomenal, like the, the gates closing or some of the cloud scenes or riders riding across a plane, like just beautiful. But I fi feel like a lot of the rest of the movie is sort of like the filmmaker's handbook implemented. And I understand the handbook was written after Kurosawa. I'm not saying that he's bland. And this is totally, I'm sure, not true. But to me, it feels like it wasn't shot with enough heart and emotion. I feel like it was a very, is antiseptic the right word? Like a very antiseptic shooting approach, even though I understand, I'm sure he had a ton of but, emotion. Okay, here, let me jump in for a second. You want to know what's an antiseptic shooting approach? Avengers. Oh, well, go watch well Avengers. Avengers sucks. Well, but go watch Avengers. If you want to call Kurosawa antiseptic or like overly sterile. Let me, let me rephrase it. I have a better phrasing. Okay. Scratch that from the record. No. It didn't feel extremely human to me. That's how It I is a stylized mythical telling, though. But it just seemed a little detached. Okay. But that said, obviously I'm criticizing it, expecting it to have been one of the best shot movies I've ever seen. And I think that those 10 or 12 scenes absolutely lived up to that. And the rest of it was very good, but yet kind of underwhelmed me a bit. It was more like an 8 out of 10 rather than a 10 out of 10 than I expected it to be, the shooting. I think the color palette is excellent and consistent throughout. Very vivid color range, but yet the contrasts are muted, which gives it a really unique look yeah, that I really appreciate. Muted, yep. Yeah, like it's not this vibrant movie, even no, though it no, is no, colorful. No, yeah. And I really appreciate that. Um, I think... Here's the thing, and Joseph and I have talked about this, Joseph being my photography mentor. Um, shallow depth of field, which is those shots where a narrow portion is in focus and a lot is blurry, mm -hmm. is often used as a gimmick because the fact is, similar to black and white in this day and age, it can make boring things look interesting. Yeah. But at this, and so it, it gets overused, and there's a lot to be said about a clean shot that has like no perceivable depth of field i.e kurosawa yeah has none of those or most like, older films yeah but at the same time i feel like depth of field would have given way more dynamicism to some of the same shots i'm not saying all of them and that may have been a hardware limitation well no it absolutely wasn't because look at blade runner blade runner made within a few years right yeah and then blade runner has these awesome select shots with a shallow depth of field that really enhanced it also actually it's three years prior three years prior while we're on the uh kind of the, the subject i think that blade runner is superiorly shot to rand even though rand has better moments uh, just i feel like that's oh, go ahead I feel like Blade Runner really well implements a lot of filming techniques that Kurosawa probably wrote the book on, 
but also incorporates this awesome style to the shooting. Ran has an amazing style, but I don't think it really comes entirely from the cinematography. Here's the thing about Ran, though, that you have to understand in reference, in, or in reference, in contrast to Blade Runner, the camera's role in Ran is completely different than in Blade Runner. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that um, in in Ran, it's showing you these big tableaus. Yeah. Like a play, like a stage play. It's showing you massive swaths of countryside or castles or battles. The camera's static. Mm-hmm. The camera does not have a personality because what you're seeing is meant to have that personality. The camera is only there as your guide through this story. The framing and the composition of the movement within the frame is the flavor and the subtext. Yeah. In Blade Runner, the camera becomes a part of that flavor and that subtext just in its intimacy with the characters in terms of its closeness, I think. And that's also part of just the fact that it's a noir. It's darker. It's moodier. I think Blade Runner is... It's obviously I like it more uh, just because I think it's a better film in like a lot of ways. But... In terms of why I think you and I like the shooting in Blade Runner more, is that character that it has. It is more like Deckard's eye that he sees through, mm-hmm. <laughs> that he sees. In terms of Ran, which is this all-showing yeah, kind of uh, thing. Yeah, but I guess at the same time, I just feel like depth of field, say, can be used to draw the viewer's attention to things and doesn't have to be like seeing through the eyes of something. And Where so would I, you have used Death of the Field? I mean, I think like when the banner's closing, for example, to give a light blur to the castle behind, like not huge bokeh or anything, but just like a light removal, a separation in layers kind yeah. of thing, would give it a little bit more depth, physically even. Okay. Um, overall, I was the thing that impressed me the most was the plot. I guess that's what you get for having Shakespeare. I found the overarching the overarching story was awesome and complicated nice, yeah. and full of twists and turns that didn't seem forced. And I guess this is a compliment to the movie, but also, I guess, more to King Lear on which it's based. I, actually, I'm reading like a little bit about like the differences between this and King Lear, and like it's very different. Yeah, is it? It's, it's influenced in almost the same way that androids influence yeah. Blade Runner. The, so here, let me just quickly read you this. Uh... Both depict an aging warlord who decides decides to divide up his kingdom among his offspring. Hidetora has three sons, Taro, Jiro, and Saburo, who correspond to Lear's daughters, Gonorrhea, Regan, and Cordelia. In both, the warlord foolishly banishes anyone who disagrees with him as a matter of pride. In Lear, it's the Earl of Kent and Cordelia. In Ran, it is Tango and Saburo. The The conflict in both is that two of the lord's children ultimately turn against him while the third supports him. Though Hidetora's sons are far more ruthless than Gonorrhea and Regan, both King Lear and Ran end with the death of the entire yeah. family, including the Lord. The death of the entire family, including the Lord. However, there's some crucial differences. King Lear is about undeserved suffering, and Lear himself is, at worst, a fool. Hidetora, by contrast, has been a cruel warrior for most of his life, a man who ruthlessly murdered men, women, and children to achieve his goals. In Ran, Lady Cade, Lady Sue 
and Tusmaru were all victims of Hidetora. So he comes upon these people who he's, you know, he's killed their families and burnt down their homes, their castles. Yeah. They were like neighboring uh, kingdoms. Kingdoms that he's just yeah. ravaged completely. Um, they're all victims of Hidetora, whereas in King Lear, the character Gloucester had his eyes gouged out by Lear's enemies. Yeah. Whereas in this, one of the characters had his eyes gouged out by Hidetora. Okay, yeah. So anyway, anyway, there's, a, there's yeah, some yeah, yeah. big differences just in the characters. Yeah, that to say, I found the plot awesome and full of twists and turns and required attention, but wasn't super confusing. Yeah, I totally agree. The only confusing thing is I just find Japanese names hard to follow sometimes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you get... a characters more confused when you're listening to sub or watching subtitles reading subtitles yeah um but that's not a shortcoming of the film itself and, and part anyway. of that part of that too as a factor of the film is also just how far like think about the closest shot yeah like to a person there's like none like yeah. maybe lady when people are talking and talking to it but most of the time it's or the camera's right. got a lot of distance i think that hurts just recognizing people yeah but maybe. also that's where like the colors of the three yeah. sons come into play i think and it really helped me out a lot that's true um so i thought the story was great that said the acting i really didn't like i think uh saburu and tango the two banished people were had good performances that seemed convincing and had some range um the king's performance I thought was very theatrical, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Me, in terms of personal taste, I don't prefer it. But I also think in terms of something you'd see on a stage, it was a good implementation of like theater and drama. And the film is very theatrical. Yeah, absolutely. But I found that 95% of the cast had no emotion and then an occasional burst of anger. And I found that detaching and like, there was just a lot of cold scenes where it was like, is he detached or is he detached? Oh, wait, they're both feeling a little bit detached, I guess. But I think that that is just how that like very heavily ritualistic feudal Japan, I think that's just how people were when they talked to each other. Because it's, it's a very formal, like, Victorian-style yeah. way of, you know, just being. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I still think... I, I totally hear Be you. that as it may... It removed me from the experience, and I thought that the acting, you can portray emotions subtly and still seem so stoic on the surface. Yeah. E.g. Ryan Gosling in Drive for most of the movie. I understand that's a totally different movie, but I'm saying you want an example of a character who's poker face but has nuance? There you go. Um, the Fool drove me nuts. Not yeah. even necessarily a bad acting performance, really. I don't think that was an acting. Just <laughs> irritating voice. Oh, the, Irrit yeah. Irritating, uh, like, body language, just the way they move. Yeah. I don't know. Just irritating, irritating. face. Yeah, yeah. just every, th everything about them. I, I think, think they were supposed must, to be like that. That must be what they wanted. I think so, but it wasn't like, haha, good one. It was like, get the fool out of my sight. Get the fool out of here. Um, yeah, well, I think, but I think that's because then later on, the fool has, like, some of the most profound yeah points and i think that that's meant to be like oh look at this like this yeah person who in the opening scenes you were just like oh no are we gonna be with them for the whole time yeah and then <laughs> one of the funniest things too is like you see the fool like doing that jack sparrow run yeah where his like arms are windmilling about everywhere and then yeah. he um 
because he's looking for the king in this particular yeah. scene and then he looks down over like the desert and sees the king running away and then just sprints after him and has like a normal run yeah. and i found that to be like an interesting uh I, I don't know that it was meant to be like a character yeah. remark but i did find it to be yeah. an interesting one yeah so i guess uh what i else? found the fool very irritating too what else do i have written here uh yeah, I think the score was very well done. The score was very really cool, well done, wasn't it? Yeah, we didn't address that. It was moody in all the ways the actors were not, yeah. <laughs> and I think did a lot to make the movie seem more uh, emotionally rounded. Um, and so, yeah, lot, lots of like for the sure. typical like like yeah. Japanese flute sounding. Yeah, but I thought it was but really spot nice and on. textured. Yeah, very and good. It w- never sounded pastiche or no. like memey like yeah. irritating and so yeah i guess in summary i think um if i had had no expectations the movie would have been you shot just burp very into well. your breast pocket no i burped and then i just kind of fluffed up my it shirt. totally looked like <laughs> you just like reached down like save that for later <laughs> no but i think i my expectations were too huge and i think those 10 shots or so i just use that as a placeholder number were fantastic but the movie as a whole seemed more like a very well shot movie rather than like the the example for a, a fantastic film. Rather than like the best shooting you've yeah, ever seen. Exactly. It was absolutely not that. The acting I think was mediocre. That may have been that may have been what he intended, that may have been how they were in feudal Japan. But the fact of the matter is at the end of the day it removed me from the experience somewhat and I just did not enjoy it or find it adding to the film. I think in some respects though, you can't watch films like this the same way you would watch, like say just for like, just throwing one out there, Mad Max Fury Road. Now they're two totally different genres, but you have to take into account like the time and place and the setting in which it's set. And both you have to keep in mind two time and places yeah time and place in which it was made and the time and place in which it's set and for me like the stiffness of the characters made it more interesting in a lot of ways i just want moments of humanity like which there were like i think um what was that guy's name that i said is a badass kurgane kurgane is very like i said i liked his performance and and he he brings out humanity tango brings out some humanity i think i think the youngest brother brings humanity i liked i liked him quite a bit he hey he like stands his first act yeah. is an act of like defiance and yeah that's and that's love, a good point that's a good know? point so i think there's definite humanity there i i didn't i mean the the king's uh Hidetora, uh the character um the performance is definitely you know theatrical yeah i but, liked his performance as well but i think the the film is also very has a real theatrical sensibility yeah. and i'm reading um and we'll wrap up soon because it's getting long in the tooth. I was reading some of the stuff here. Um, prior to filming, Kurosawa spent 10 years storyboarding every shot in the film as paintings. Wow. Which is quite... I, and you were saying you think there's like 10? I mean, I think there's way more than 10. I mean, I, I think, think there are 10 things... I think they just go past so fast sometimes. Where I saw that and I was like, wow, that's like mm-hmm. some of the most gorgeous shots I've ever seen. Yeah interspersed with other shooting that was very good but not some of it some of it is like okay this is a lot of like big japanese hills yeah they're beautiful but there's there's a lot of them 
Uh, and there's just like interesting. Uh, uh, oh yikes! Look at this. Oh wow, he had an attempted yikes. suicide while filming Kurosawa. Kurosawa. No, I don't He's... think that he. Uh, I don't think that he. Oh, uh, it was yeah, unable yeah. to secure funding. So that's beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Um, so overall, definitely a good film. I feel like. Unless you're really into film, if you're someone who likes movies on a casual to moderate level... Yeah, you are not going to like this. Yeah. And I feel like my overall impressions are, I want to watch it again sometime. I shouldn't say you're not going to like it. You might. You never know. I still want to watch it again sometime. It really opens up. But it up. didn't blow me away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't say that it really blew me away either. I, I watched it and went, wow, like there's some amazing stuff here. If I... Well, we are working on a film... Uh, as part of a team, I think that they're, but if maybe more, if I was like shooting something, yeah. it's great to look at, especially just for like how yeah. well he shoots large groups of people moving mm-hmm. and like how there, I never had confusion, you know, like, and sometimes even in, especially like the, the Hobbit movies, mm-hmm. so confusing to watch for know? sure. Anyway, yeah, I think if you have to consume one of these pieces of media, actual sunlight hands down is more useful and will challenge you more. It is. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah. I think if, like, out of the two of them, they're totally different, but actual sunlight. Yeah. I, I think, I think, uh... Okay. Probably what are we talking about next time? Yes. Uh, so let's... Y- what are we talking... Yes. We're talking about... Yes. Let's do Fargo. You want to do Fargo? I want to do Fargo. I mean, we're both just going to be like, we really like this movie. But we Corn still have things so to say. Groovy. And then melodrama also. Yeah. Are yeah. you, are we gonna get that? You've had a couple botch attempts at like buying it. Jason can't even buy stuff online, guys. Our Wi-Fi's been really bad. That's how placeholder it. melodrama, and if we do something else, the world won't collapse. Okay. Mm, um. Mm. That can be changed there. Uh, you deleted a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. Um. Okay, so what are we doing next week? Well, if you really want to do, you've yeah. wanted to watch Fargo for ages, yeah. and no. Next week we will review the Coen Brothers film Fargo, um, which is sort of would you say is paired with the TV show? Not really based on, is it? No, the TV show is based on the film. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, lots to learn. And then also, <laughs> Lords. <laughs> wow, that was painful. And then also, that was like a dart in my heart, a heart dart. <laughs> Lords recently released album Melodrama, of which we've reviewed a couple singles with mixed to slightly positive results. Yeah, we'll say we'll say that we'll yeah. do Melodrama. Uh, there might be some other stuff. I want. I really want to do a double film review yeah. at some point too. But we can say that for now and uh, leave you with that. Yeah. Uh, th- uh, thank. This is weird. We haven't done this for so long. Yeah. You know, Remember I'm, to uh, like, stroke your lizards. You absolute lizards. And like... No, I hate it when people do like, share, subscribe. No, they know. People know. If you like this, you know, tell other people yeah. so that they can maybe like it too. If you got that, your buddy uh, Big Philly down at the office, you know, at the end of the hall, and you and him are always talking about a You call that because he looks like a cheese steak? Yeah, Big Philly, the cheese steak. If you're always talking about films with Big Phil, let him know that we do this and you can make a little teensy film club in accounting. Yep. Or if you're Jonathan Gabber and you're going to school, you know, you got friends in high places at the school, 
Let's call it quits. Tell the dean to assign everybody to listen to every episode. Let's call it quits. And then soon, let's review Le Maison et Petit Cubes. I have to poo and pee.